All right, and welcome everybody. Welcome to the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. Uh, in this podcast, our goal is to help e-commerce sellers and their advisors keep up with the constantly changing world of sales tax, and it is constantly changing. Uh, I want to welcome to our podcast my co-host Michael Fleming. Uh, both of us are with Pizer Johnson and Company. We're so happy that you joined us. So, Mike, welcome. Uh, we want to get off right off the bat, you know, constantly changing. Um, there's things going on as we speak, right, in the world of sales tax. Absolutely. Always. It seems like uh, every day we wake up to uh, some sort of new announcement. You know, today, uh, as we're going to talk, uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Yep. In the uh, Wall Street Journal, um, I guess with this spending bill, that uh, Congress is trying to pass at the last minute. Apparently some Republicans uh, are trying to inject a sales tax bill, the remote parity. What is that bill called again, Mike? Uh, remote, remote Transaction Parity Act, RTPA. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get that inserted into the omnibus spending bill uh, with no debate. Of course, this issue of, the Congress stepping in to do something has, well, since I've been involved in this since 1992 and before, um, there's always been some discussion every year of the Congress getting involved and passing something to simplify it. And a few years ago, it probably got the farthest it's ever gone with the uh, with the Marketplace Fairness Act passing, actually passing, passing in the Senate. Uh, but it's every effort has died on the vine. Um, it's not hard to understand why it has died on the vine. You know, people tend to to kind of rail on Congress like it's a do-nothing Congress, but I don't know. Some people might say doing nothing is probably the best thing with regards to sales tax. Um, however, here we are again in, uh, in Congress. May just stick a, a bill in with the omnibus spending bill that will get this remote, the RTPA bill enacted. So Mike, without going into the details of that, um, basically what any of these bills say, almost any of them, is that online remote sellers, so online sellers, if they have a limited connection with the state, not even physical presence, then uh, after so many transactions, they have to collect tax in that remote state. So anything else you want to add about that, Mike? Yeah, it's uh, it. The, the article today in the journal uh, makes a good point. Um, the average taxpayer out there, the average customer of these uh, any online seller, is going to view this as a new tax because you know if they're not paying tax now, they don't really understand the concept of a use tax, uh, which simply means that you know if you're a vendor or the person selling you something doesn't collect the tax, you're responsible for collecting it and remitting it to the state directly. Um, so there are a lot of laws out there on the books right now in these states that the states just don't really enforce. So this isn't really something new. It's not a new tax. Um, it's just changing who's responsible for collecting and paying the tax. Um, and, and that in this uh, climate out here, you know, the, the gist of the, journal article is, hey, the Republicans just cut taxes, now they're raising your taxes, which isn't exactly the, the case, but that's how the average person out there, I think, is going to view this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's why states don't want to enforce their own use tax because their own constituents would see that as a new tax, even though technically speaking, it's, it's been on the books forever, but it's never been enforced. And so states' own legislators do not want to enforce their own use tax for that same reason. But it does make you think that when you see language like that, that it would be awfully hard for Congress to come to some joint resolution that they should do something at this point anyway. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see a little bit less uh, resistance of states going after their own uh, taxpayers, their own constituents. Um, a number of the states out there on their income tax forms have now put a box uh, or a line where you're supposed to be self-reporting this. Um, and then uh, states like Connecticut um, have actually gotten the names from sellers and are sending letters out to all of their taxpayers saying, hey, we received information that you made a purchase where tax wasn't collected. So we're starting to see the state's attitude on this change a little bit. Um, but for the most part, um, this is still being viewed as something new and, and it would be a new tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we talked about what Rhode Island has done, Colorado and Rhode Island and a number of other states by passing this, what we've been calling the notice and reporting approach where they, 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 they go after vendors who have no physical presence in their state, <clears throat> but they go after the vendor and say, you online seller, you have to notify your customers on every transaction that you have decided to be such a poor corporate citizen and not collect tax that now it's, it's a burden on them. And if you don't, there's a $10,000 penalty minimum, right? <clears throat> so my point is that states already have these laws on the book, the use tax, and the simplest solution to dealing with complicated use taxes across all these different jurisdictions is for states to just enforce their own use tax. And uh, they could, they, they'll say, well, it's way too expensive for us to do that. But in reality, and, and I agree with that, by the way, but I, I don't agree with their measurement of expensive. It's just be politically expensive for a state to do this to their own citizens because the own, their own citizens think of this as a, a brand new tax. It'd be like dropping the speed limit to 25 on all the freeways. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> why are you doing this? We're going to vote you out of office. So it would be hard for that legislator to say, hey, this has always been on the books, but they could just pass a law like they have in Rhode Island that they're enforcing on remote sellers and just say, if you fail to, to report even one transaction on your income tax return, then there's a minimum fine of $10,000. And guess what? They get a lot more use tax being reported. Get a lot more complaints too, probably. And uh, a lot of a lot of those people who, excuse me, a lot of their uh, representatives who uh, passed it probably wouldn't find themselves in office the exactly. next time around. Exactly. That's what I mean by way too costly to to enforce that law. So they enforce it. They're trying to anyway enforce it against you know a million different FBA e-commerce sellers all over the world because. 
their voice means nothing. <laughs> they can't they vote anybody out of office. Yeah, they're not located in the state. They, they don't have the right to vote. So who better to be your tax collector? Exactly. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to the states arguing that they, they just can't get this money. And this Wall Street Journal article is also interesting in uh, the editorial anyway that uh, – you know, this whole idea that states are going broke, that may have been true a, a few years ago, but it's, it's, it's quite a bit different now. Uh, a couple of points they make that I think are interesting. As of 2016, 17 of the 18 largest retailers on the web already collect tax on all their customers' purchases, right? So... Uh, who are states really going after here? The big retailers? No, this is really they're going after the smaller sellers out there. So it kind of goes against the argument that we hear a lot, that states don't care about the small sellers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, following up on that comment there, something else we hear a lot of is, you know, the federal government's going to step in and make our lives easier. They're going to make a national tax. And, you know, there's one, uh, you know, bill out there that would, uh, would potentially achieve that. But for the most part, anything that Congress is even considering would actually hurt most FBA sellers. And, you know, you've got this Supreme Court case um, that we're going to get a decision on in June. That could potentially hurt FBA sellers. So, I mean, the political climate out there is not one where any part of the federal government, no matter which branch we're looking at, they're not stepping in to save the day here. They're, they're, it's really lining up to make life a, a lot tougher for, for most FBA sellers. You know, one thing that we always point out in our presentations is that, uh, sell, that state governments are insatiable. And the Wall Street Journal says, you know, there's been a lot of crying poor over the last several years, but in reality, over the past five years, Florida's sales tax revenues, for example, have grown 27%, and South Dakota, who is, it's the rep from South Dakota who is the sponsor of this RTPA, South Dakota's revenues are up by 30% since 2013. So I just think that state governments are insatiable, and by the way, I am not saying that you should just ignore these laws, ignore Nexus, ignore what's going on at the Supreme Court. I'm really not. But on the other hand, I'm sympathetic to the argument that states are just making it super hard on remote sellers, online sellers, e-commerce business. It's just rough out there. But I don't advocate in any way ignoring it. Absolutely. One, one in reading your article, I did have one thought. It was, um, sure, states' revenues are up, but what about their expenditures? Are they growing at the same pace? Are they growing at a slower pace? Or are they growing at a quicker pace? Okay, I have an answer for that, but it's not from the article. Okay. State expenditures always grow slightly faster than their revenues. Okay. That's that's a, a great rule of thumb. So uh, I I agree with you. Sometimes a lot quicker than expenditures, but at the very least, um, exactly what you're saying there. 
So um, we'll put a link to this article in our show notes. But Mike, um, this is just evidence of how the this world of sales tax is constantly changing. And if you're in the e-com world and uh, you care about just trying to hold on to your business without losing your mind, without losing the business, then it just pays to, to keep track of what's going on. Um, we were just at this conference in uh, Las Vegas, the Prosper Conference, and uh, you were invited to speak at that, Mike. So congratulations, by the way. Thank you. It was a highly interactive session. Uh, there was a lot of attendance. And I don't know, I had to leave to uh, catch a plane right after that. How long were you there after the session? Uh, good 45 minutes answering questions. So there's a lot of interest in this, in this topic out there right now. And one of the things that came up is who's going to be our advocate? Um, well, right now, one of the things I would suggest doing is calling your, your congressman. Let them know that, hey, this is not good for small businessmen and uh, weighing in on this. I mean, it, it can't hurt. Um, you know, if it gets passed, then we're all stuck with it. But, um, you know, for people who do this for a living like us, it wouldn't be an entirely bad thing. But for for all uh, online sellers out there, I, I just think that this is not good. So I would suggest calling your congressman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say for e-commerce sellers, for sure, the RTPA is not good for you. Um, it's good for states for sure. No doubt yeah. about it. Um, Mike, so besides the, uh, the prosper show, um, you have also been featured in a recent article that we'll also put on the, uh, in the show notes to our podcast by Seth Feinberg just uh, a few weeks ago on the accountingweb.com website. Yes. And I'll put a link to this, Mike, but I thought this was really good stuff as we just, as it settles on e-com businesses that, you know, as, as we visited with other vendors at the uh, Prosper show, we talked to one company, uh, Avask out of the UK that handles that um, for thousands and thousands of FBA sellers. And uh, they were describing to us, kind of the environment in the UK and in Europe in general uh, as far as enforcement of their VAT. And uh, it sounds like it's much, much worse over there than it mm -hmm. is even in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Avask was talking about um, the U in the U.K., um, it's actually getting to the point where people can actually be going to jail for this. So, um, we spoke to Payoneer also, which works with 70,000 different um, FBA sellers from around the world in different countries who are trying to sell in the U.S. And they said that, you know, echoing what Avask was saying, that the it's really tightening up all across the world. We're seeing a wave of uh, tax collection and tax collection rules, you know, countries cracking down on this. And their thoughts were, the United States is going to be next. Um, so what they want to do is make sure that all of their foreign customers are actually starting to get compliant in the, in the U S and I, I think that, you know, here in the U S 
we're just a little bit behind the curve sometimes in howing to uh, track down. I mean, it was only three or four years ago that states even started figuring out how to find um, FBA sellers, but they're really stamping up the stepping up their efforts now. So I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough year or next couple of years for, for FBA sellers or any on online sellers. And definitely agree. This could be one of the worst years for online sellers. Um, it's for those who just continue the approach of, Hey, I don't have to deal with this. Um, it doesn't mean it's super easy to deal with, but, at least you can sleep at night. We had so many of our clients at this show that came up, Mike, and said, you know, before I talked to you, Mike, I could not sleep at night. Now, uh, that's, they were, <laughs> they were wanting us to use a lot of that in our um, testimonials. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is rewarding when people feel like, hey, we're finally on top of this, and this isn't my major concern anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't, don't get us wrong. There will be rays of sunshine in here. You know, uh, Amazon uh, started collecting Pennsylvania. That is good news. That's moving in the right direction. Um, collecting in Washington, not so much. We've got podcasts that talk about that. Um, but overall, um, I, I think it's, it's going to be a lot tougher in 2018 going forward for the next year or so uh, than it's been in the past. So it's uh, those clients that have taken care of this already, they can sleep better at night. There's, there's really nothing else for them to worry about um, so long as they stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, I'd like to ask you some of these same questions, and maybe we'll elaborate on them a little bit that uh, Seth Feinberg asked you because – we have so many that, you know, we're so deep into this that sometimes we assume that these millions of e-commerce sellers are at the same point we are in terms of sales tax knowledge. And, you know, there's a process. It's the, it's the, I don't know what you call it, but the, the process that people go through of first, you know, denial, like this is crazy. This is, there's no way. And then sort of a reluctance, reluctant, acceptance of maybe it's something I should deal with to finally uh, coming to grips with it. And there is a customer, uh, a client journey maybe that we have to help people on. So I I would like to just start with some of the basics because sometimes we talk about advanced topics too much because this is the cut. We're on the cutting edge all the time. Well, I think we should just step back and just go through some of the basics that I thought Seth did a good job of. And so the first question he asked you is what is the most common issue or question that e-commerce clients or prospective clients come to you about? Yeah. And, and it can be phrased a couple of different ways. This is a really great question, but what it boils down to is uh, where do I need to collect tax? When do I need to collect tax? Do I really need to collect tax? So, um, you know, that spawns a whole series of questions, really, um, or a series of, uh, of answers. But when, where, and do I actually need to collect tax? You know, you can lump them all together. And our answers are wherever you have some sort of link or connection with the state, uh, and that link or connection is, is 
called nexus, just a fancy term meaning link or connection. So wherever you have nexus, for most FBA sellers, it's going to be inventory uh, or where you live. Uh, a lot of times we forget where we live. Um, the next thing we got to look at is what you're selling taxable. So maybe all you do is selling clothing and clothing is exempt in a state like Pennsylvania. Um, so why get registered in a state like Pennsylvania or Massachusetts is, excuse me, Amazon's going to be collecting there. So maybe we look at a state like Massachusetts and it's exempt in Massachusetts also. So if what you're selling is not taxable in a state, no reason to get registered. And then the third thing we look at is materiality. And, you know, if you're a $250,000 seller, and there were a lot of these that, that actually came to the Prosper Show, you know, they're just getting their businesses started or, um, you know, they, they do this on a part-time basis or they do it on a full-time basis. And, you know, it's not easy building a, a, a business. I mean, $250,000 is, is tough to get there when you're first starting out. But if you're at that number, why go out and get registered everywhere? I mean, you'd be better off if a state ever found you just paying the state out of your own pocket because the cost of compliance every year, even though it's, it's getting cheaper and cheaper all of the time uh, compared to how it was in the past, it's still a cost. So, um, you know, I, I generally tell people if it's less than $3,000 a year in any one state, um, then just don't bother getting registered. Pick your big states. I'm going through one of these exa- uh, right now, Andy. And the big three states are usually going to be California, Texas, and Florida. I mean, then we're going to look at some of the other states. And Georgia on, on this particular one I'm looking at is up there, and Massachusetts is up there. But uh, a lot of their other states just don't make sense to get registered. So um, just to, to recap, um, wherever you have this connection with a state, you know, sales just into a state, usually not enough. You've got to have some sort of physical component. So wherever you live or operate your business, wherever you have inventory, that's that link or connection. Then wherever your sales are taxable. And then if your sales into that state of material, those are the three criteria that you do, uh, use to determine when, where, and if you should be registered. Okay, great. I know that uh, people will search on those terms, and uh, this will be a great answer to them. Um, The next question I have for you has to do with uh, the state of Washington. So this, one of the things that uh, e-commerce sellers and other advocates have hoped for is that Amazon would just collect tax on behalf of their sellers. I mean, wouldn't that make things easier? And uh, Amazon has agreed to do that specifically in Washington. But Mike, could you cover just briefly uh, whether or not that that new law has made things better or more complicated for e-commerce sellers? Well, it's uh, actually not made things better. If you're already registered in Washington, I think it's made things more complicated. If you're not registered, I think it's made it more dangerous. And and here's why. Um, there are actually two taxes on a sales tax return in the state of Washington. Washington's a little bit different than, than most states out there. You've got the sales tax, and Amazon is collecting that sales tax um, and remitting it to Washington on your behalf. 
What they're not paying is this second tax, and the second tax is called the business and occupation tax, or the B&O tax. And for most FBA sellers, it's going to be 0.47% of all of your sales into the state of Washington. So Washington says that even though Amazon is collecting and remitting the sales tax, you still have to be registered because you need to take care of this business and occupation tax. So if you're already registered, you need to stay registered. Um, what you need to do is actually report 100% of your sales onto this return. Um, you're going to calculate how much business and occupation tax you owe, and then it's going to roll down to the sales tax section. And if all you're doing is selling through Amazon, uh, you still have to calculate the sales tax. And then here's the extra step. You've got to go in and take a credit. So after it says how much sales tax you owe, then you take a credit for the tax that Amazon has actually paid to the state on your behalf. So that's why it makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, if you're selling on multiple platforms, it can be even more complicated because Washington still says that you have Nexus. I mean, you still have your inventory there. You know, who's paying the tax doesn't change whether or not you have Nexus. Um, so the state is saying you still have Nexus. So therefore, if you're selling on multiple platforms, you still need to be collecting tax on every one of those platforms. Um, so uh, again, doesn't make it really a whole lot easier for you. Uh, maybe you have someone else doing your taxes for you. Um, makes it tougher on them, not any harder on you, but there's no reason to deregister at this point. If you're not registered, Here's where the, the, the real risk comes in. Washington has flat out told us they are still going to pursue Amazon sellers for past exposure. And the way that Amazon is doing this right now, if you look at your payment reports, you'll see that they're tracking every single transaction by seller um, and how much tax is being generated um, and how much tax is being paid in now. Washington, I don't think, currently has access to that information, but in this day and age with Amazon turning over information um, to these different states, I think it's only a matter of time before they get that. And now all they have to do is saying, okay, who's registered versus who are we getting tax from or who is Amazon collecting the tax for? Um, and that's, that's a real simple calculation there. They're going to say, okay, well, you're not paying the B&O tax, so... Um, we're going to come after you for that, but now you're going to, one of the first things they're going to ask you for is that inventory event detail report because that's what they do. They're going to see that you've been doing business since 2011 or whatever, and now they're going to want all of those back taxes and the penalty that they don't budge on is 39%. So that's why I think that this has actually made it either at, at best more confusing for FBA sellers, and, and at worst, uh, a lot more dangerous. It's, it's going to make it easier for Amazon to find out who you, excuse me, for the state to find out who you are. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, one of the questions that we got consistently at the Prosper Show, or the, or the positions maybe, or the opinions, where maybe I should just wait until all these states pass a similar law to Washington. So I have two questions for, for you. First of all, are all the states going to 
trend or, or will they do all states want Amazon to collect tax on behalf of their sellers? And second of all, uh, I'll remind you of this, but should sellers just wait it out? Okay, so let's address the first one. Um, I think all we have to do is look to Massachusetts uh, to say that, no, not all states think this at that point. Um, Massachusetts sued uh, Amazon for a list of their sellers. And states have fairly limited resources. Departments of Revenue have limited resources as a you know, division of the state. Why spend your money, your time, your effort, and your energy suing Amazon and fighting with Amazon over a list of the sellers if you just planned on going to Amazon and saying, hey, you're responsible for collecting the taxes? Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So they fought Amazon in the courts, and Amazon finally was you know, forced to, to turn over this list of seller information. And I can't imagine that the state asked for it and is not going to do anything with it. So Massachusetts should be a, a, you know, a warning, you know, a big red warning, uh, like going off fireworks. Hey, you know, not all states uh, agree that um, Amazon is the one that should be collecting the tax. Most sellers seem to, to agree. And I think in theory, I agree with them too, that the best solution to this whole dilemma is that Amazon just collects tax on behalf of its sellers. But let's address another thing. I mean, Amazon is not the only platform that sellers use. I know, you know, FBA sellers, that may be the only platform for, for many of them, but Amazon collecting tax for you only solves one channel of your sales, right? Absolutely. Uh, they're not going to collect your eBay sales or, you know, your, maybe you've got a, your own website and you're using Shopify. They're not collecting any of those sales. And, you know, people always say, well, you know, hey, I don't have inventory in any of those. Well, once you have Nexus in a state, all your sales into that state, um, you know, you're required to, to collect tax on if they're taxable sales. So the Amazon inventory is still creating nexus for you per the states, and therefore the state expects you to be collecting tax on all of these platforms. And they, the states do have some backing on this. I mean, there's a, a U.S. Supreme Court case from 1977. It's uh, National Geographic. It started out in California, worked its way up to the Supreme Court. And what they say there is the nexus creating activity doesn't have to be related to the taxable activity. So in this scenario, your Amazon inventory is the nexus creating activity. The taxable activity would be your sales from these other platforms. Yes, those, those platforms don't create nexus for you, but they don't have to be the nexus creating activity. They are the taxable activity. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Amazon, it can be pretty convincingly argued that Amazon is sort of like uh, a consignment sale almost. I mean, they're collecting the money and everything. But in the case of uh, different types of platforms, say eBay, for example, uh, eBay is not collecting the money for you. Correct. And a lot of the states are going to look at that a little bit differently. So not all of these rules out there have been written the same way. And by the way, there's not a whole lot of states at this point that have passed anything stating that uh, Amazon is responsible for collecting it. I think uh, when I last checked, there's four, but 
Um, you know, like Minnesota, theirs is delayed until 2019. So as of now, you, the, the reason why uh, Amazon is only doing this in two states, because those are the two states that have passed legisla legislation and it's actually effective or becoming mm -hmm. effective in the case of Pennsylvania. So that goes to part number two. Should sellers just wait until states, until Amazon finally agrees to do the quote unquote right thing and collect tax everywhere? Um, I, I, you know, to each their own. We, we all have to make the decision on how much risk we want to live with. And to me, it's going to be quite a while. This is not going to happen overnight. Let's just look at how long it took Amazon to collect tax in every state. It, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, they, they cut deals. They, they pulled their warehouses. They dangled new warehouses with all of the accompanying jobs. They cut special deals um, because they didn't want to pay any of the back taxes. And that was a process. This process is going to be a little bit harder than that because in a case like South Carolina, it's still the same old issues. You know, South Carolina is suing Amazon. They think Amazon is responsible for the back taxes. Um, and Amazon's going to fight them tooth and nail because they're not, they can't set precedent and say, we're going to pay all the back taxes. So something there has to change. Um, other states, um, like California, the way they have theirs written uh, right now, their guidelines or rules, regulations, it, it states that if the marketplace is separate from the fulfillment company, um, even if they're related, if they're two separate legal entities, even if they're related, then it's the seller who's responsible for collecting the tax. If it was all one legal entity, then it would be the marketplace that's responsible for the tax. So at this point, you can't just start collecting tax for someone because you want to. You've got to go into the state and you've got to work out some sort of agreement. So uh, for lots of reasons, I think this is going to be a, a four or five year um, process. And I do think that eventually Amazon is going to be collecting everywhere, but it's not going to happen overnight. And the environment is getting a lot uglier um, during that period. and it doesn't solve all your problems even when they do start collecting. So to me, you know, again, it comes down to a personal decision on how much risk you want to live with, whether you believe you should be doing this or not. Um, to me, I, I think we got to protect ourselves somehow. And, you know, I, for those of you who have heard me speak before, I talk about insurance, you know, being compliant, getting registered, collecting and remitting the tax. That's your insurance. You know, and, and the cost of compliance, yes, there is a cost, but it's like the cost of a premium. And insurance always expensive until you need it. Never hits value. Um, I don't think my house is going to burn down, but I get that insurance anyway because I know that no matter how expensive insurance is, it's going to be pennies compared to the dollars I need to spend to rebuild my home. Same thing with the compliance here. State finds you and and you know, even though you don't think that anything bad is going to happen, what happens if they do? And at that point, you'll be kicking yourself and saying, wow, I wish I had registered. It's going to be a lot cheaper if you had registered just in case the state did pursue you. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. So now we've reached the, uh, the end of another episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, 
of our inner circle with specific questions. So our inner circle, hang on with us and we'll get your specific questions. All of the rest of you, thank you so much for listening in. Connect with us at uh, salestaxforonlinesellers.com. Lots of free resources there. And uh, so now we'll close the podcast, Mike, and go into our Q&A session. So thanks again, everybody, and goodbye.